Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Amalgamated Transit Union Canada President John Dinino has called for a national task force to tackle this issue of violence on these transit systems, which I support because they have seen violence, which has been taken note of in uh, Halifax, in Saskatoon, in Vancouver, and in parts of Alberta. They estimate, the uh, Amalgamated Transit Union Canada, that some 3,000 operators across Canada are being assaulted each year. And that, of course, is completely unacceptable. Toronto Mayor John Tory on the uh, assaults, stranger assaults, and the Toronto Transit Commission and their uh, their platforms, their buildings, their subways. It's happening in uh, Vancouver. It's happening across the country, and it's not just uh, public transit. These stranger assaults are happening in uh, different locales under different circumstances at different times of the day. They're on the increase across this country, and. Um, one of the questions that's being asked is, how much of this issue deals with mental health? And and uh, are victims of stranger assaults fair? How are they faring? How are the victims faring after these uh, violent confrontations? Julia Roddy is a victim of a violent stranger attack on Toronto Transit Commission property. She wrote an op-ed about the experience in the uh, Globe and Mail, and the headline is, I was a victim of random violence on the TTC, throwing money at the problem won't make us safer. Julia, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, good to have you with us. Uh, Mark Hennick has been a guest on this program many times. Mental health strategist. He served as national spokesperson for the Canada-wide Faces of Mental Illness campaign. He attempted suicide at 15, and his TED Talk description of that event, during which Mark's life was saved by a stranger, has been viewed millions of times online. He's the CEO of Strategic Mental Health Consulting. His book and podcast are titled So-Called Normal. Mark, thank you very much uh, for joining us. How are you today? I'm well, thank you, Roy, for having me back. You know, I've started this thing of asking people how they are, and I think it's, it's, it's all arrived with COVID. I started asking people, how are you? I have to stop that. That's a question I don't like, because then you feel compelled to answer. Julia, in your case, I did want to know how you are. How are you after that assault? And can you describe to us, please, what, what happened? What went on that, 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 time, that day at the TTC location? Well, I've been very lucky since, and I'm doing really well because of a lot of support. Uh, that day was harrowing, um, I think, as many would imagine. I was on my way on my normal commute, on my way down to the office, had got on to my subway car, sat and opened my book. And then um, a stranger who had come up from the other direction hit me on the shoulder, had thrown a bottle at me, and it landed in the aisle. And at that point, uh, myself and my fellow passengers were, I think, on a little bit higher alert. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a precursor to anything awful happening because things happen all the time. Um, unfortunately, in my case, you know, about a minute later, the individual picked up the bottle and then uh, hit me on the head with it um, with a tremendous amount of force. 
um, so much so that it was it punctured my forehead. I required some stitches. And at that point, my fellow passengers really jumped too. Um, these strangers all came to help. I was incredibly fortunate. There was an off-duty police officer on the subway car that day. My assailant was able to be subdued. We arrived into the station and other emergency personnel, first the fire department and then EMS and police officers, they all showed up. But until that point and until everything was sort of smoothed out, both the day-to-day operators at the TTC were incredible in trying to control the crowds, making sure my fellow passengers felt safe and that things continued in an orderly fashion and that I was looked after as well. And a number of strangers just waited with me, and it was quite tremendous. You know, I, as you were speaking, I was just thinking, how do you proce- How does a person process what happened to you? Any person, you're on your way doing your routine um, things. You're following your your routine plan of of getting about in the city of Toronto, and then you become a victim of a, a random violent attack and everything that follows. Uh, as you, and, I, and I'm referencing now, starting to reference your op-ed, because not only did you deal, or do you still deal with what happened to you, but you're also looking for cause and for a, a way to, if not preclude entirely, then certainly um, reduce in number the the numbers of attacks that happen and provide the kind of environment where that works. I'm, I'm over-talking this. Why don't you share with us, Julia, what it is that you've been thinking and what the essence of your op-ed is? So part of the processing is, you know, m- making sure, you know, I wasn't in any way provocative in, in, that, in that moment. It was random. And so on one hand, it's, it's random, so I didn't do anything to preempt sort of the attack. Um, so there's a bit of cold comfort there. Um, at the same time, you start a process, well, why is this random? And I'm not the only person who's had this experience. Um, there are people who, who before me in, in the days and the weeks, and there certainly have been people since. And so it's been a little bit surreal as, you know, you've heard those stories and suddenly you go from having your name, or at least my name, I realize, you know, is now associated with that quote unquote victim. Um, who is anonymous and then the papers have reported about as having been the subject of one of these attacks. And so part of the processing is, of course, well, I am part of now a pattern. I'm not the only one. And what is animating the circumstances um, within which these can occur? Um, and that can, you know, for any number of reasons. And for that, you know, I think it's better to turn to mental health and social work um, experts um, as to why, but I would certainly see, you know, being somebody who reads the papers and books and all of these, that we are undergoing a period where we're seeing cracks in our system. Um, You know, my op-ed spoke to this, that I think our infrastructure that supports people who are marginalized, who are facing insecurity um, as a result of the pandemic now, you know, with rising inflation rates, And then even before that, you know, there's always a a constant uh, discussion about it. So I have to wonder if that doesn't contribute to sort of this scenario and that we need to maybe look deeper and take a longer view and a more patient view as how to work our way to healing. 
Yeah, you you wrote and you're very generous. Since my assault, I've been billed for co-payment of my ambulance ride to the hospital, where I received necessary stitches. I've seen the media coverage, the videos, and the accounts from fellow passengers. I've not seen any outreach, no one in Toronto's municipal government or the TTC, not even a caseworker for assault victims, has followed up to see how I was doing or whether I was healing. If this is the paltry response I get as a victim, it stands to reason my assailant has received even less. Uh, Mark Hennick, the the next thought people have had and continue to have is this has to be closely related to mental health issues. First of all, in your view and your experience, is is that a, a logical um, connection? And where does mental health enter the picture of these stranger attacks? Yeah, you know, first of all, I want to say, Julia, how sorry I am to hear for about everything that you went through uh, and what you've said that stands to reason that the person who attacked you probably didn't get any intervention either, uh, I think is good reasoning. Uh, that That is what we typically see. Now, look, uh, we hear this every time that there's a violent act, that somebody must be crazy. Somebody must be mentally ill in order to commit uh, an act like this. Uh, and the science just does not support that conclusion. Uh, crime and violence are are much more closely associated with things like gender, age, uh, poverty, substance abuse especially, but not mental illness. People, in fact, with mental health problems are no more likely to be violent than the average population. Uh, we would have to, according to some research, uh, round up more than 35,000 people uh, with schizophrenia from the streets, which is typically the most, uh, the highest risk for violence, uh, relatively speaking. We'd have to round up 35 thousand of them in order to prevent just one uh, violent act, uh, one random homicide. So, look, there are civ civil rights uh, 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 trade-offs here that are happening, and it's not the most efficient uh, use of our resources to target uh, the mentally ill as though they are a violent, separate population. It's just not the case. So, Mark, then if I can just take your thought and run with it a little bit, for, for many people, people with mental health issues have been available for criticism or to have their finger pointed at them is likely being responsible for these stranger attacks because they provided mentally uh, challenged people, mental health uh, people with mental health issues have provided the path of least resistance. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's also uh, uh, an underlying stigma that we as a society share uh, that there has to be something wrong. And that, I think, reveals more about us than it reveals about the people who are struggling. And look, when you think of it, if somebody gets attacked uh, randomly or otherwise, there's a pretty good chance that person might be dealing with a mental health problem anyway, because who isn't? We know that according to statistics, more than half of the Canadian population by the age 40 uh, will have experience directly a mental health problem or illness. So that's like saying that there's a correlation between having arms and being violent or having asthma and being violent. We know a huge number of people are dealing with these things, but it doesn't give us the specificity uh, to identify it as a root cause of that violence. I'm, I'm very suspicious of, of that approach, and I don't think it would be effective, actually. Uh, Julia, if I go back to your op-ed, uh, you, uh, you wrote, we move on too quickly and throw money at reactive measures while the actual problems are left to fester. The alleged attacker was caught, your attacker, and so to many, everything has been resolved, case closed. But nothing could be further from the truth. There is no quick fix, 
My story is just one of many that reveals the systemic failure of our social infrastructure and the ways in which we need to redirect our energies, efforts, and money towards social programming and mental health supports. Just expand on that a little bit, little bit for us, please. What, what, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I'd like to hear it in your words. Well, I think that there's, of course, the more immediate need to try and ensure safety. So many people use the TTC and you want to feel assured. But I think um, for some, law enforcement will be a sign of safety. And for others, it might be just the opposite. So I think we need to be very careful that this would be a way to fix the problem. And I think we do ourselves a disservice not to expand wider and look at the ways that uh, insecurity in a person's life might be driving them to make uh, certain choices. Um, What supports are they getting? Um, Are they hungry? Are they facing substance abuse issues? Um, Any number of different um, issues that a person might be facing. Um, And I don't think we're addressing those. And they take a longer time to fix. They are a subtler fix. They're about conversation. They're about thinking outside the box, I think, a little bit um, in terms of the way that we address them. Um, and it's not so visible a, 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 a fix. So I think, you know, to that end, you need to do something to try and assure riders that it's going to be OK. But those are just reactive measures. They're just a Band-Aid. Uh, at, at some point, you, you need to you need to be able to address what's actually causing the hurt. Uh, Mark, if I could get you to just uh, comment on what Julia just said, but let me add this first. There's a report from Vancouver that speaks to the -the on-the-street drug supply issue, and I'm quoting now, changes in drug patterns are contributing to unpredictable and sometimes violent behavioral patterns. People are now becoming violent who we have never seen act violently in the past. Yeah, look, I would uh, I would certainly respond um, to that that comment as well as agree with what Julia said. Look, I think substance related disorders here, substance abuse uh, is the core issue. Um, And I think we would have a a much greater return on investment if we were able to uh, approach that head on. Uh, We know that abstinence based programs where we we just wage a war on drugs, they're not that effective. However, if we were to expand harm reduction, if we were to expand uh, mental health supports that actually help people to recover, uh, rather than to try to identify and persecute and detain them, uh, then we could make some potentially uh, really productive headway here. We need to house people. We need to feed people. Uh, we need to meet people's basic needs. If Toronto, for example, were to take that $48 million extra that they're giving to the Toronto police uh, and instead invest that into upstream uh, diversion and prevention efforts, uh, I think that return on investment would bear itself out in things like violence on the TTC. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.